0: I think we're past the time where rural communities can say, we're going to bring in the big manufacturing plant that's going to hire 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. I think those days are over. But if you give great internet access to a lot of people, then you can have this little company and that work from home person and this uh, entrepreneur, and you can do all of those things. But it really doesn't happen unless you have that connection to the, the rest of the world.
1: Better internet access wouldn't just be a game changer for rural areas. It could be essential to their survival.
0: I'm not suggesting that people in rural areas need the internet to get information. That's not really the point of this. The point is that that just being able to function in modern society is becoming more internet-reliant.
1: I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. The pandemic has made clear just how important a good internet connection is. These days, we go online for work, for school, even for our social life. And for some people living in rural areas, that's a huge problem. The internet simply can't handle their demands. One of those people is Sarah McKee. She lives a few miles outside of St. James, Missouri, population 4,000. She's a nurse practitioner working on a midwifery graduate degree. But her husband needs the Internet for his degree program, and their kids need it for school. Their Internet connection just can't keep up. It's so
0: slow that when I ask some IT friends, it's actually measuring slower than
1: um, dial-up connection would be. And Sarah said her family has to take turns with one person online at a time so as not to overwhelm the signal.
0: With my current Internet provider, there's no way that we could Zoom. I had some classes as well that were done via video chat, and um, it would often cut out freeze. Um, i had it happen in an exam.
1: And that's Sarah McKee. She lives in a small town in Phelps County. She spoke with Rolla correspondent Jonathan All last week, and he joins us today to talk about his coverage of what's a big problem for small towns and farms. So, Jonathan, welcome.
0: Good to be here, Sarah. Thanks.
1: So, help us understand this. How big a problem is spotty internet for families like the McKees?
0: Well, it really depends on so many different factors. But ultimately what it comes down to is that internet providers for the most part are private companies that want to make money and if they're going to run fiber out to uh you know a place where there are maybe 30 or 40 people who could possibly subscribe and get the internet access it's not worth the expense so you look all around missouri or really the nation and you find these rural areas where it's just not worth it for a for-profit business to put the infrastructure out there to be able to get a few subscribers here and there. And you know this has been a problem for years and years and years, but it was really the pandemic that kind of brought all of this to the fore because all of a sudden internet access became even more critical than it ever had been before with people working from home, doing school from home, uh, ordering food from home. All of those things. And and so it really exposed how Internet access is really becoming critical to function in everyday life and how there are just no options to get it in some parts of rural America.
1: And when you talk about no options, so this isn't a matter of people not wanting to pay for upgraded service. This is just there is no option that could handle um, the kind of service that we need today for multiple Zoom calls going at the same time, for example.
0: That is absolutely correct. The, I did not talk to a single person who wouldn't be willing to pay almost anything to get decent internet access. This isn't about the money. This is about it not even being an option. Um, here's here's something that maybe everyone can relate to a little bit. If you are driving across a, a wide span expanse of place and you don't have a cell signal. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how nice your phone is, it doesn't matter how nice your car is, it doesn't matter how nice a person you are, you're not gonna get a cell signal. So it's the same thing with rural internet access is that that if it's not there, nothing else matters that's going to be able to get get it to you.
1: Hmm. So part of the impetus for your report on this last week was a policy brief from the Brookings Institution. It's called Reimagining Rural Policy, Organizing Federal Assistance to Maximize Rural Prosperity. How does what they're dealing with in that report play into this issue of of what these families are dealing with?
0: Well, the Brookings Institution report, it's much bigger than just rural broadband. And, And they talked about uh, their plan, essentially, hey, Joe Biden, you want to reach rural Americans, here's some stuff you can do. And they did talk about, you know, uh, streamlining the bureaucracy, they talked about investing in local institutions, they talked about a number of different things. But the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, this idea of getting uh, broadband internet access to all of rural America. And the parallels that are drawn between uh, this idea and the rural electrification, uh, of, the, of the Depression era of the 30s where getting electricity to all parts of the United States was a big, um, a big idea. They're, they're making that same thing that if, if, if we had a presidential administration that said, you know what, the entire country needs to have access to high quality internet access that that would be something that this administration could do to really have substantial impact on life in rural America.
1: So this is something we could do. Do we have any sense of just how much money it would take or how much manpower it would take to address this?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's, well, first of all, billions and billions of dollars, without a doubt. But the, the, the bigger issue is... Finding who is going to actually do it. In a lot of places uh, in rural America that are are starting to get some broadband access, it's electric co-ops that seem to be the best conduit to get that because they already exist in those communities. They're already rurally focused. Uh, They already have some infrastructure down. So in a lot of ways, they are the best candidate to try to get Internet access to people in rural areas. Hmm. But there are a few problems with this. First of all, you're still talking about a huge amount of initial investment to get to a small number of people. So there's really some bang for your buck issues there. The other thing is that not all rural co-ops are designed the same. They don't function the same, they don't have the same priorities or the same values. There are some rural co-ops who are very excited and anxious about, you know, we need to get on top of this and be uh, the internet provider. The idea of being an electric co-op needs to include internet access. But then there's some co-ops that are thinking, you know, that's really outside of our mission and we don't want to have any part of it. So when you're talking about trying to fill in all of these little tiny places around the United States where there isn't any internet access, um, if you're relying upon a group that's a patchwork quilt and some of the patches don't want to be in the quilt, it's going to be a lot harder to do it. So, you know, it is a huge problem. A lot of people uh, say that they're interested in it. You know, uh, in the Mike Parsons State of the State uh, address last week, uh, he, he made mention of some rural broadband grants, and it was a few million dollars. And, yes, a few million dollars sounds like a lot of money to most of us. But when you're talking about the perspective of getting... Uh, internet access all across the rural areas, it is the tiniest of drops in the bucket. So, Hmm. yeah, and, and that's why I think the Brookings Institution said it needs to be a nationwide thing. It needs to be run through a streamlined federal process that doesn't get bogged down in all sorts of state and local Uh, issues of trying to, you know, they don't want to just grant money to the states that then grant money to people because then you have that disconnect and some states will do it this way and some states will do it that way. They really want a streamlined, centralized way of doing it, at least in the Brookings report.
1: So, Jonathan, you make a great case for the magnitude of this problem. I mean, just the idea of of tackling this, I'm starting to realize why nobody has done this yet. Do we know if this has any sort of uh, priority uh, for the Biden team at this point?
0: The Biden Harris uh, campaign put out their plan for rural America relatively early in in, in their campaign, and it didn't get a lot of attention, mostly because of everything else that was going on in the world. That is, you know, all of this. It was it was quite
1: an election season, I think it's fair to say.
0: But rural broadband for everybody was a bullet point in the Biden Harris plan for rural America. But you got to remember that was one of ten bullet points in one plan and think about all that the Biden administration is trying to tackle. So Mm. is it on their radar? Absolutely. Is it one of their top priorities? Probably not.
1: So I want to put a little thumb on the scale here, or or at least let you put a thumb on the scale here. Some of the people you talked to suggested that this could be a game changer for rural areas, even beyond just the day-to-day tasks, the families like the McKees that want to get their kids to school and, and still be able to get their work done. When they talk about this changing the paradigm in rural America, what are some of the ways that they see this working?
0: Well, let's take, for example, one of the things that we've learned in the last several months with the pandemic is for a lot of people they can work anywhere. The idea that you have to be somewhere to do a certain job, that idea has been shattered into a million pieces. So let's say you're originally from a rural part of Missouri and you move to Chicago or to Indianapolis because that's where the work was that you wanted to do, but you really miss your home. Well, if there was really good internet access, and you could buy you know, 10 acres for a fraction of the price of what your suburban home costs, mm-hmm. and you could have that rural lifestyle, and you could do the work that you love, isn't that something that you might be interested in doing? But if there's no internet access from where you wanna go, then that is a non-starter. You can't even do it. So that's one way of doing it. The other thing that comes up a lot is that, that you know employment in rural areas is becoming more and more entrepreneurship, more working for yourself, more remote working. So uh, you know, we're, I think we're past the time where rural communities can say, we're going to bring in the big manufacturing plant that's going to hire 5,000 people. That, mm-hmm. those, I think those days are over. But if you give great internet access to a lot of people, then you can have this little company and that work from home person and this. Uh, entrepreneur, and you can do all of those things, but it really doesn't happen unless you have that connection to the the rest of the world.
1: Mm. We did hear from a couple of listeners who feel strongly that that this is something that needs to be done. Uh, Dave writes on our St. Louis on the Year Facebook page, internet is critical to participating in modern society. It should be treated as a basic public utility. Don writes, broadband access would be a huge supplement to schools and education. In addition, rural America is largely served only by TV and radio, and a large percentage of that is talk radio, which tends to espouse one particular viewpoint. Jonathan, do you put any credence to the idea that this could also just keep the the country having that same connection, as opposed to some of the splintering that we're seeing? Oh,
0: yes and no. I, I my, I don't think the the kind of information that people are getting is really part of the discussion here, because if you have internet access, you're going to be have more access to all kinds of information: truth, lies, good, bad, left, right. It's all there. I'm not talking about information getting to people. I'm talking about things like ordering prescription medication, having a telehealth uh, visit with somebody, uh, being able to bank, being able to do your job, being able to go to school. Think about all the things that we do on the internet that we pretty much take for granted if you live in a place that has good access. I'm not talking about, you know, I, 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 I'm not suggesting that like people in rural areas need the internet to get information. That's not really the point of this. The point is that that just being able to function in modern society is becoming more internet reliant, and a lot of places in in the country doesn't have that kind of access.
1: Well, St. Louis Public Radio, we're all a correspondent. Jonathan All, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing your perspective on this.
0: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.